our text for this Sunday, on this final uh, Sunday of the season of Epiphany, is from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with uh, verse 16. I read in Jesus' name. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the people's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, teach us the truth of your word today, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would apply it to our minds and our hearts so that we can live it out in our lives. So guide us in your truth, for your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when setting out to summit one of the great snow-capped peaks, of the Cascade Range, you begin in the dark, many hours before dawn, to ensure the greatest measure of safety for your climb. Now, you can't just wander around in the dark. You, you do need a, a headlamp to, uh, to guide your way and to find the path to follow up that mountain. And, and, and route finding in the dark is, is not an easy task. Done it many, many times. But still, you need a light to be able to know where you're going so that you do not lose your way or become lost. Now, the Apostle Peter described God's word as a light to show you the way. He wrote in verse 19 of our text, for we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Now the transfiguration marks the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, the season which began with wise men from the east following a star to find Jesus and ends today 
with Jesus described as the morning star who rises in our hearts to herald the dawn of an eternal day. Our theme has been living as disciples of Jesus. And this morning, we take a look at the light of the disciple. Now, earlier in this series, I spoke of the witness of the disciple and the exhortation Jesus gave them to let your lights uh, so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Well, this morning, uh, in this message, I'm not speaking about being a light to others, reflecting the character of Jesus to the world, which is very important. That was covered in being the wit- a witness uh, to Jesus. But this morning, we're going to talk about the light by which the disciple is to live, the light that guides the disciple and illumines the path. We are told by the Apostle Peter that this light is the Word of God. It is the light by which we live in a dark world. Well, first, Peter warned his readers to be confident that God God's, um, that God's word is a light of truth. And if you're following along on the back of the bulletin there, you'll notice that's the first truth we cover today. God's word is a light of truth. Uh, verses 16 through 18 tell us, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Now, the message Peter and the other apostles proclaimed was not based, he said, on cleverly devised stories, literally myths in the Greek, fables. No, he and the other apostles were indeed eyewitnesses. Luke, in the introduction to his gospel, wrote this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. That word minister is an interesting one. It, it literally means a, a servant who does just what he is told to do. You know, it's, it's like a, a valet, a person that's, okay, I want you to do this, this, and this, and they do that. And so they were, they were servants, as it were, of the word, um, and have delivered uh, that word to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all the things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And the name Theophilus literally means lover of God. So this is written to all lovers of God, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught, so that you can have certainty. So the word of God is a light of truth 
because it teaches what exactly happened in history recounted by eyewitnesses. The authors of the Bible weren't just making stuff up. As Peter and Luke testify, you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Peter underscores being an eyewitness by describing one of his experiences with Jesus. Now, Peter had many amazing experiences, but this one, the Mount of Transfiguration, where he, along with James and John, witnessed a preview of Christ's glory, as we heard in our gospel lesson today from Matthew. Uh, As I quote from Matthew chapter 17, verses 2 and 3, and then verse 5, there Jesus was transfigured before before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And then, uh, just then, there there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. In verse 5, while uh, Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So Moses and Elijah, appearing with Jesus, they represented the whole law and the prophets, which was really a shorthand for the whole of the Old Testament. So Peter recounts that they heard the voice of God, you know, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, and it also included the command of God, listen to him. Peter's takeaway from that amazing divine encounter was that it confirmed the message of the Old Testament. There was There was uh, Elijah and Moses speaking with Jesus, and uh, and also it confirmed God's, it brought stamped, it placed God's stamp of approval on the very words Jesus spoke. It is the word of God, the Bible, that we need in order to live for Jesus in this darkened world. It is not some, we don't need to have a mountaintop experience like Peter did to be able to have the certainty of God's truth. As as a powerful preacher back in the 1800s, Samuel Cox, as he proclaimed, Peter knew a sounder basis for faith than that of signs and wonders. He had seen our Lord Jesus Christ receive honor and glory from God the Father in the holy mountain. He had been dazzled and carried out of himself by visions and voices from heaven. But nevertheless, even when his memory and heart were throbbing with recollections of that sublime scene, he says, we have something sure in the prophetic message. Our translation says, we have the prophetic message made more sure or made more certain. It was not, and I go on to quote, it was not the miracles of Christ by which he came to know Jesus, but by the word of Christ as interpreted by the spirit of Christ. Now, some people 
Uh, I've often had people tell me, if I could just hear a voice from heaven, then I, I would believe. Well, you know, in the Gospels, there were people that were present that heard, uh, not on this occasion, but on another occasion that heard the voice of God from heaven, and they thought, well, I, uh, it sounded like thunder. That is not a certain way to know the truth. Peter knew that. Um, and I always tell them that God indeed has spoken to you. You want to hear a voice from God? Then open the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will reveal God to you through the pages of the Scriptures. Peter knew that. We should not be looking for experiences to validate our faith. We need to be looking into the Word of God to create and strengthen our faith, just as Romans 10, 17 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Our faith comes from the word of God. Experiences will fade. You'll wake up the next morning and say, boy, is that really true? Was that real? But the word of God, we are told, endures forever. Peter knew that in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, the apostle teaches, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this, Peter says, is the word which was preached to you. That's where our faith uh, is the foundation of our faith. Not experiences, but the word of God as the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives. We don't need to have Peter's mountaintop experience to know the certainty, the truth of God's word. We have the Holy Spirit as we, that brings us to faith in Jesus through the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, which validates God's word in our hearts. Again and again, God confirms that his word is truth. This indeed is a light of truth. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth for your word is truth. The gospel is called the word of truth in Ephesians 1.13 and in Colossians 1.5, David in Psalm 18 proclaimed, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. That's repeated again in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. Many will assault the veracity of the Bible, will question its truth. They will bring up what seems to them contradictions and impossibilities in the Bible. And of course, I hear that all the time. And even I, I tell them, I don't even, um, I'm not even sure sometimes, you know, how to understand parts of the Bible, right? There are things that I still don't understand. But uh, but years ago, years ago, I came to the conviction that I don't 
need to defend the truth of the Bible. Now, I, I will talk about, you know, I will talk to people about uh, why we can believe in the truth of the Bible, but it's not up to me to defend the truth of the Bible. I just need to proclaim it and to believe it. God will prove the truth of his word when we believe and obey God's word. God will prove it. That's what it says. Every word of God proves true. God himself, as we receive and accept and believe this word and put it into practice, I've never ever taken a, 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 a part of God's word and applied it to my life, and God has not proved it true in my life. <laughs> Every time you take God's word, and I hear it all the time in the jail, he says, you know, I was a pagan, but, um, uh, but paganism, I, I never found a truth like this, and this, this I, I apply it, it says to do this, and I do it, and wow, God proves his word to be true. And he does. Peter then emphasizes that God's word is a light shining in a dark place. Verse 19 says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Other translation says, made more sure, made more sure, more sure than this, you know, just the voice coming on the mountaintop. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. When Peter wrote, you know, we have this prophetic message made more certain, he wasn't referring to the apostles or to James and John and himself you know, well, you know, we heard Jesus face to face. No, that we means all believers in Jesus. We, every believer in Jesus, has the prophetic message, the word of God, as something completely reliable. Uh, Peter witnessed the physical light of God's glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, but we have the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the scriptures. Peter is saying that the light we have in the Bible as disciples of Jesus is a better and greater light than even he witnessed on the mountaintop. It is a light that is completely reliable. Now that's coming from Peter. And Peter saw some pretty amazing things and he says, but this is what you need if you want something completely reliable. Now, have you, ever, have you ever reached for a flashlight when the power goes off and you turn it on and nothing happens, right? Oh, the, you know, the batteries are dead. and Here you're in the dark and you desperately need a light. Well, God's word is the only truly reliable light. The Holy Spirit... Uh, is always there to empower God's word. It, it never goes out. It never grows dim. Uh, one time we were driving, and I, my, my, uh, the lights on our car uh, were growing dimmer and dimmer as we were going traveling that night uh, because the alternator wasn't recharging the battery. 
Um, incidentally, my battery's dead this morning, uh, but that's a different story. But in this story, you know, we just was dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until the car wouldn't even go anymore. And, um, and we pulled to a stop and sat there in the darkness. Well, God's word doesn't go out on us like that. It is always reliable. Um, the Bible is a completely reliable light. Psalm 119, verse 105 exclaims, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. We need a light to guide us. We reach for God's word. Peter teaches us that God's word is a light shining in a dark place. The world is indeed a spiritually dark place because as we are told in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, the God of this world, that is the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There we're told that the gospel is our light and is the one thing that the devil tries to, to keep hidden because he knows that if God shines his light into our hearts, we will be able to see Christ. Goes on to say in, uh, uh, in verse uh, 6 of 2 Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. The very God who in the beginning said, let there be light and there was light, has made his light to shine in our hearts, that is the light of the gospel, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Peter saw the physical glory of the, of the, of the cloud on the, uh, the light, uh, the uh, bright cloud, but we have the light of the knowledge of God's glory in God's word. Martin Luther taught the word of God is the light in a pitch dark place. For all human reason is sheer error and blindness. Thus the world is nothing else than a realm of darkness. In this darkness, God has ignited a light, namely the gospel. In this light, we can see and walk as long as we dwell on earth until the dawn comes and the day breaks, which means the coming of Christ. Psalm 43, verse 3 is a prayer. It says, send out, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Send out your light and your truth, O God. One day... One day, we will not need the light of God's word. One day, we will have the light of God's presence in heaven. God's word is eternal. It will be there, but we will have the literal light of God's presence to guide us. Peter emphasized the reliability of all scripture by underscoring that the Bible is a light from God. Verse 20 and 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man or in, um, in hu the human will. But prophets, though human, 
spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible isn't of a human origin. It's not something that came from the creativity and, and wisdom of people. As 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, all scripture is inspired by God, literally God breathed, and is useful for reproof, for correction, or excuse me, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You know, when Peter said that, that men uh, carried along by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, he used a, a nautical word picture there, and Peter having been a fisherman, this was very much a part of his experience. It means the word carried along is when the wind fills the sail of the boat. It moves and drives the boat along. And so the wind, the breath of the Holy Spirit, and in Greek, the word for breath, for wind, for spirit, is all the same word. And God moved them along as the Holy Spirit filled them as a, as a wind fills the sail. Our catechism teaches that God gave his written word by inspiring chosen prophets, evangelists, and apostles, giving them the thoughts and words to write. And because the Bible is God's book, it is true and completely reliable. It is the final authority about what we believe and how we live and how we teach. The Holy Spirit is the divine author of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth and will guide us, as Jesus said, into all truth. And that's John 16, 13. The Word of God, the Bible, is the light of the disciple. It is the light that we need to guide us through the darkness of this world. It is a light of truth. It is a light shining in a dark place. It is a light from God. And as Peter exhorts us, we will do well to pay attention to this light, for we have no other light to guide us in this dark, sinful, unbelieving world. No other light that is completely reliable. It is a light that never flickers, a light that never fails. And so as the Bible says, walk in the light. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that, or first we just thank you, Lord, that you indeed have shown your light into our hearts, the light of the gospel, so that we can see, so that we can know and, and believe that Jesus indeed is our Savior who died on a cross to forgive all of our sins and who rose from the dead to give us the certainty of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone hearing my voice today that has never received our Lord Jesus as their Savior, that they would confess right now, yes, Lord, I believe Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sin. Yes, I believe he rose from the dead to give me the certainty of eternal life. And I, and I ask him now to come into my heart and into my life as my Savior and Lord. And that, Lord, even as he now lives in me, may I now live in him and walk by the light of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.